0: Blessed be the name of the Lord, banish your playing up a storm tonight. Whoa! They were hitting it, showing up. God bless each one of you. Welcome tonight to another Bible study here with us at Shiloh in New London. I'm excited to welcome you in, excited for you to be here for this teaching tonight. Let's pray. God, we honor you. We thank you for our chance to be together even in the virtual world, we thank you that you have allowed us to express our love of you so that even over the airwaves, of someone's home, whether on Facebook or YouTube, whether to hear this on a podcast at a later point, we thank you that the word of God will touch them, will nourish their soul, and help them to make it in this journey we call life. Speak to me and speak through me and have your way. Amen. Amen. Tonight we are continuing a series that we've had called Nourishment for the Soul. Nourishment for the Soul. And we are we are in Psalm 5. Psalm 5. Nourishment for the Soul and we're in Psalm 5. Now now the the idea of this psalm is interesting because this is again a psalm of lament. Lament. Lament's not a word that we commonly use, so I'll give you a definition. It is a lament is a prayer expressing sorrow, pain, or confusion. It's expressing sorrow, pain, or confusion. Now, now I like that the Bible offers to us not only these wonderful prayers that name and claim, these prayers that approach the altar with the bravado of faith, where we stand and we decree and declare, and we say, God, this is what I want you to do. This is what I'm believing you for. And and not only do we have those prayers where we offer the great thanksgiving. Thank you for that which you've done. We bless your name for the accomplishment, for the success, for getting over the failure, for getting back on our feet after we were knocked down. But the psalmist and the Bible in general leaves room for times in our lives when we need to lament. We just need to tell God how we feel, unfiltered. God, this is my sorrow. God, this is my pain. God, I I know that you promise to lead me, but this is my confusion. It is so important that we see this and we get in our spirit the fact that lament is not only biblical, but healthy. That this kind of Pollyannish faith that has to always say, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And it has to act as though there are no problems. There are no crises. I don't cry tears. I don't have issues with family members. I, I don't have issues over here. I'm not in a crisis over there. That kind of faith is, is not only is it, is it, is it inappropriate, but it's also dangerous. Because it says to a person who is experiencing or has experienced sorrow or pain or confusion that something's wrong with you. If you only had more faith, you wouldn't be going through that. If you only could pray harder, you wouldn't be experiencing that. Well, nothing wrong with my faith, but that didn't keep this person in my life from acting a fool. Nothing wrong with my faith, but that didn't keep this vehicle from veering off the road. Nothing wrong with my faith, but that did not keep something untoward from happening within the nation that affects me. Nothing wrong with my faith, but that didn't stop the pandemic. But if you think that you can never experience, therefore have a need to express sorrow, and express pain, and express your confusion, then you become spiritually stuck believing something is wrong with your faith. Therefore, something's wrong with you. And then ultimately, after you finish examining yourself, you say, maybe something's wrong with God. psalmist does us a great service because the psalmist is in the midst here of processing his anguish and grief in the very presence of the Lord he's in the presence of the Lord and says, I'm bringing it to you you know um there's a song that that is sung and some churches sing it a lot i i've not been good at singing it myself but it is worthy to be sung that song i'm trading my sorrows well the thing is that you've got to acknowledge you have sorrow to trade sorrow and that song is so appropriate because it says I can exchange it for the joy of the Lord. But, but you have to get it in your mind that you can also express it in the presence of the Lord. Now, now, if, if as most, uh, most uh, writers would say, this psalm is also another in the line of psalms. As David is running from his own son, whose tempted coup of the kingdom is going on. Is it at the beginning of that process, or at the end of that process? We don't really know. But we do know that at the beginning of that process, David is anguished because people have turned against him. The men of the city, the men who have gone after Absalom, that process is anguishing. People have come out and cursed him on his way away. That process gives you anguish. But by the end of that process, he enters into a different kind of anguish. This time he enters into grief because there's death that precedes the ending. And the death that happens there personally affects him. And he cannot simply go back and act like nothing ever happened. Whether I'm dealing with my enemies or dealing with my loss, dealing with my grief, dealing with my hurt, I have to deal with life. And I've got to get my head wrapped around the fact that God can handle me pouring out my heart to him. And the reason I've got to get my head around that is because I've got to realize how to relate to God, recognizing and understanding who God is. Some people have a warped sense of God. You know, they see God as that that God up in heaven that only brings them goodies. You know, the, the preacherism joke of God being the Santa Claus or God being Lurch, from those of you who are Adams family uh, uh, familiar. The Adams family used to have a butler named Lurch and uh, Morticia would pull on the, the long line and she'd bring it and it would be a loud gong song and there this huge imposing figure who was the butler of the house would come in and he would say, you rang? Recognizing his only job is to please and to get and appease whatever needs are there of the family. Yeah, you and I've gotta realize God is not that. He is not just the supplier of goodies. Nor is God just the dammer of those who sin. It's not just a judgmental God, okay? You go to hell, you go, you, and you, and I know I saw what you did. You go straight. You don't even get pause. And if you keep doing it, you're gonna follow them. As so though all God wants to do is to cast people into this fire and brimstone. That ain't God either. That's not God. This overly hurting, mean spirited thing. You know, I'm, I'm a young preacher. You know, we used to preach those sermons, and uh, Leo Daniel started it and did it better than anybody else. Um, Leo Dan's great Baptist preacher, wonderful Hooper. You can pick it, hear the sermon he preached on YouTube sometime. Leo Daniel's one to preach that first first preached. Uh, publicly and on wax, I should say, uh, the sermon, What in Hell Do You Want? And it was a great sermon. Uh, But the outflow of that are the sermons that all preach on hell. As though the only reason to be saved is to get away from the damnation of going to Hades, Gehenna, What the psalmist recognize, and what I want to teach tonight in the few minutes I have left, is the psalmist's prayer relies on these seven divine attributes. Now, these are not the ones you normally see. These are attributes that I want to call. I'm not talking about the ones written up in books. I'm talking about the attributes that you see in the actions of our God towards God's people. And his, his prayer relies on it. So, so here, if we grab the, the first one, it is in verse one. He says to God, Listen to my words, O Lord. Consider my groanings and sighing. Listen to my words, O Lord. Consider my groanings and sighing. You see, the psalmist believes that God is sympathetic. The only reason you ask Him to hear your groanings and sighing is because you believe the person at the other end has sympathy for you. So he relies first on the sympathy of God. Have you ever talked to somebody you knew they didn't care? So you just stopped talking because you said I'm wasting my breath? Well, the psalmist knows that God cares. And so he relies on that as the foundation of even lamenting before God. Because God is sympathetic. He cares about my, you know, uh, when I was a little boy, we still to love a song. Jesus knows all about my struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. I can rely on his sympathy because he has proven his friendship to the believer through sending his son and through sending his Holy Spirit. And because I have this spirit that he has sent, As the sun ascended, the spirit descended, I have a sympathetic God that not only hears me when I lament, not only hears me when I groan, but he prays for me while I'm doing it. So my tears are liquid prayers. My moans are words that are only understood by me and God. My sighing is heard by the divine and I know he cares. Um, Believers get this real easy because you get Romans 8 and 26 in your spirit. The apostle would then say, likewise the spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints accordingly. To the will of God, Hallelujah. The, the the God I serve is so sympathetic to my cause, and so understanding that I might not even have the right words in my lament to to get it out, and I might, matter of fact, I might even say the wrong thing while I'm lamenting. He says, "Okay, I know you can't always get it right, so." Since you, I'm giving you this gift of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray for you. I care so much about you. I'm going to intercede on your behalf through you back to me because I love you. And I will direct your prayers right to where they need to be through you back to me because I love you by sending you and giving you something that you don't have, the Holy Spirit The pedacletos. I will give this to you so that you will have a way of lamenting before me and getting answers that you have need of. Powerful stuff. He depends on the sympathy of God. But not only does he depend on the sympathy of God, but verse 2, he teaches us another lesson. And yes, I'm parsing his words because I think his words are put together, not only poetically, but prominently with intentionality. The second verse is, heed the sound of my cry for help. It is not that I'm just lamenting the lament. It's a cry for help. I'm telling you what's going on with me because I'm crying for help. I need a break. I need a breakthrough. I need the enemy to be broken down by the power of the Holy Ghost. So he says, "Heed the sound of my cry for help my King and my God. For to you I pray. Number two, he depends on the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. That is that you are king of kings you are lord of lords and there's no one above you and no one like you and you have the power to change my situation and it is in your sovereign will that i ask my petition i come to you there's no other god in heaven that i need to pray to I need no other name, I need not air to go anywhere else. You're the one. There may be a pantheon of gods that other folk worship and they may worship a pantheon of other things, but me, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you, God, and nothing else. And because I recognize that you are the one and true and living God, and that there is none like you. I come to you, sovereign Lord, to bring my concerns. That's number two. So number three is this. Look at verse three. He says, in the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice in the morning i will prepare a prayer a sack and a sacrifice for you and watch and wait for you to speak to my heart number 3 he's dependent upon the sensitivity of god the sensitivity of god That God, who is sovereign, will not simply hear my voice and not be concerned. God, who is sovereign, will not see my sacrifice and not be concerned. I know God's sensitive. Um, uh, My my wife and I, we don't have any grandchildren yet. may come one day. We have no grandchildren. So my daughter, when she was in college at Duke, came home with this dog. And she told us this is her dog. And she gave us the dog's name, St. Basil the Great. Well, St. Basil the Great is only about that big. He's a Yorkie. A Yorkie Terrier. And my, my daughter tells us, this is your grand dog. Your grand dog, okay Brett, this is my grand dog. So at first I didn't want to like the dog. I like big dogs. Those of you who remember Diamond, my, my giant schnauzer, I like big dogs. Diamond was is like the size of a Great Dane in a schnauzer coat. I like big dogs, I didn't want to like the dog. Well I started liking the dog, okay. He finally got to me. He got me, he got me. But now, It's almost as though the dog can talk. Because he can come in and look at you and he like give you a look this way or start whimpering that way. And you can almost know exactly what he wants. Now I tell you, nobody has to tell him when it's dinner time. I can be in the back, in my bedroom, sitting down, comfortable, No one has to tell him that the food is about to come off the stove. He'll come tearing down the hall and look at me like, "Mm, isn't this our time? You eat, I eat. Now, we have become so sensitive to the dog that the dog knows we know what he's saying. So he keep talking. Y'all gonna miss this. I said to myself, if we could become so attuned and sensitive to an animal, a dog, how much more attuned and sensitive is God to his children? If we could figure out doggy whimper and get full sentences, how much more can God, figure out human groans and tears and know every word we're trying to say. The God you serve is sensitive so that when you're praying, I gotta see what's going on. I can't let you sit there crying and not come find out what's wrong. I can't let you sit there groaning and not see that you are in need. And that's the thing you need to know when you are going through. You may be going through thinking you're by yourself, but your sensitive God is looking at you. He sees, he hears, and he answers prayer. Psalms will come back in Psalm 10 and say, Lord, you've heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart and you will cause your ear to hear. God hears us. God hears us. Micah 7 and 7 says, Therefore I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the Lord of my salvation. My God will hear me. God is sensitive. Habakkuk 2 and 1 says, We'll stand... I will stand my watch. I will set myself on the rampart, and I watch to see what he will say to me, and I will answer when I'm corrected. He says, I'm going to sit here because God promises, and he's going to speak, and if I need to change, I'm going to correct it. If not, I know he's going to fix my life. There's a way of recognizing the very sensitivity of our God. Number four. Number four. And and, and and this is interesting in that this is verses four, five, and six. Let's read them. And I'm in Psalm 5 for anybody just joining us now. Psalm 5. And I'm reading it from the Amplified Version tonight. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil person dwells with you. The boastful and the arrogant will not stand in your sight. You hate all who do evil. You destroy those who tell lies. The Lord detests and rejects the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Number four is the sanctity of God. The sanctity of God. And that that is so important that you get that. Because see, because God is holy and sanctified and he carries God's own self in a certain way, what the psalmist could depend on is that evildoers could not continue without getting checked at some point by God. And you can depend on that, that God will not suffer the wicked without consequences. So somebody jumping on you, somebody trying to get you down, somebody mistreating you, you don't even have to wonder whether God's looking at that, because God's not going to put up with that stuff but for so long. God's like, homie, homie don't play that. Y'all, excuse me, I'm sorry. Listen, at some point, God's going to say, that's enough. I don't tolerate this. You can depend on the sanctity of God. In other words, that God is not going to allow those that are doing things that are nefarious and evil and wicked and casting aspersions at you and mistreating you and being vile towards you and degrading you. God is not going to allow them to prosper forever. The Lord at some point is going to call them for the judgment seat and bring them to naught because there are consequences. The psalmist realized that the Lord does not like boastfulness. The Lord doesn't like the arrogant. The Lord does not like evil. The Lord detests and rejects bloodthirstiness. And a liar, a liar, a liar, can't tarry in God's sight. At some point, God is going to bring all liars under subjection. So, let's, let's, let's get this in our spirit here. If when we are praying, We're coming to God with this recognition that God is sensitive to me, not just to everybody else, but to me, to what I'm dealing with, and that God is too holy to let me. God, I'm on this job. I'm doing the best I can. I don't know why people don't like me. I don't know what they have against me. I've done nothing to this supervisor, but they seem to have it out for me. You do not have to worry. God's sanctity will not suffer it to be so, but for so long. Sooner or later, you see people getting shipped out. You see people changing jobs. Sometimes you see them getting kicked upstairs so they can be off your stair. You see people being moved and shuffled around. You see some people being walked out the door. You see secrets being uncovered, stuff they were doing you never even told anybody. You knew they were doing it, and you're like, mm, sooner or later, and you see them getting walked on out the door. That is your last day today. Matter of fact, you don't even have to go back to your desk. We already packed your stuff. Gone. No, your key no longer works. You've been disconnected. Why? Because there's something about God. That is so sanctified, so pure, so holy, that when you pray, you can depend on that. Now you also can depend on this, that if you riding dirty, it's hard to be with a holy God. Ooh, that just that, that struck the wrong nerve. Let me go in. Look, you see, um, there's uh there's a song, hip-hop song. Riding dirty is not something I made up. They're, 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 they're rolling, they're hating. Y'all gonna get me wanna get me dirty. Gonna catch me riding dirty, gonna catch me riding dirty, gonna catch me riding dirty, gonna catch me riding dirty. You wouldn't have to worry about riding dirty if you were riding clean. So, believers, when you get ready to pray, Make sure when you're praying, since you know you're praying to a God who has wonderful sanctity, which means that he's looking for purity, make sure you're coming with a pure heart. Or you better jump over a few psalms and grab that one that says, create in me a clean heart and renew within me a right spirit before you start this prayer here. I tell people when you take communion, pray before you take it uh, because you don't wanna eat or drink damnation to your soul. There's something about, have you ever, um, I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I, I ride black all the time, so I've had it many times. Have you ever had experience where you uh, get pulled over and you know you weren't doing anything? It is two, two things. It is the most scary thing and it's the, easiest thing at the same time because you know when you get pulled over I, I know I wasn't doing anything number two I know I don't have anything in the car that would get me in trouble number three there's nothing illegal about what I just did so now the only thing I do now is so you feel good for a minute now you just gotta pray that the person pulling you over had no other thoughts other than keeping the law But you feel a lot better when you know you got. See, Jay Z song, the one that actually comes from Ice Cube, uh, H.I.C. Uh, that 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 99 problems song. That song is really about drugs. I know some of y'all young people saying that song is really about drugs. I got 99 problems, but uh, he says dog is not one. That, well, because he's trying to act as though they don't have any drugs in the car. So if you don't have any drugs in the car, you don't worry about the police coming and calling the dog patrol to sniff to see if there's drugs. Now You and I got to know, if we want to get from God, when we go into prayer, we either have to be holy or do the steps. To purify ourselves, to get holy. Because our God is a holy God. And He's looking for a holy people. Ah, that, that was tired. I know. Number, number five, number five, number five. Comes up in verse seven. But as for me, I will enter your house through the abundance of your steadfast love and tender mercy at your holy temple I will bow obediently in reverence for you. So, number five is this. Steadfastness of God. It's the steadfastness of God. And and, and it's really steadfast is almost like faithfulness. And, And the psalmist says, that I can depend on God. You know, they say, so through the storm and the rain, through sickness and pain, I can, I can, I can, I can depend on God. You can depend on God when you recognize that God's love will never fail. The steadfast love of the Lord is never failing. His mercies are renewed day by day. They are new every morning. And you've got to know, when you pray to God, he's steadfast. His love is steadfast. His kindness is steadfast. His truth is steadfast. And guess what? That when I come before him in his holy temple, I bow down before him knowing that the God I serve is going to hear my cry. Uh, Second Samuel 22 and seven says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and I cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry entered his ears. Hey, look, when you know that the God you serve is going to hear you and answer your prayers, Prayer is easier knowing that the God you serve is steadfast. That ought to excite your soul. God is faithful. God is faithful. He's faithful. So if I'm calling on him, I'm calling on a faithful God. A steadfast God. A loving God. God, god defined god's own self and uh, exodus 34 and 6 remember that wonderful passage when when the man of god wanted to know what god looked like he said i can't let you see me but i can hide you and show you enough of me and the lord passed by him exodus 34 verse 6 and the lord passed passed before him and proclaimed the lord the lord god merciful and gracious long-suffering, and abounding in goodness and truth. That's our God. That's our God. That's the God we serve, a merciful God, a loving God, a faithful God, a God that is so good, he is worthy of our reverence and he requires our awe of his majesty. So that we ought to live in the reverence of God, which requires our awe of his majesty. The reverence of God, which requires our awe of his majesty. That's who our God is. That's who our God is. I got to hurry up. I don't want to make you miss the the close of this, this message tonight. Number six. Number six. Six, and this is my one of my favorite segments of the text. Number six is in verse 11. But let all who take refuge and put their trust in you rejoice, let them ever sing for joy because you cover and shelter them. Let those who love your name be joyful and exalt in you. Number six is the shelter of God, in God, shelter in God. Now, I like this because I like the knowledge that in God I have a hiding place. You know, um, I love that song, You Are My Hiding Place. You always fill my heart with songs of deliverance. Whenever I'm afraid, I can I will trust in you. Look, the psalmist says, God, we take refuge in you. We put our trust in you. Now, this is all metaphoric, but it's metaphorically spiritual. Because to take spiritual refuge in God, is to say, God, I depend on you for my covering. You have to cover me. You have to shelter me. And because you're my covering and my shelter, I depend on you. I will sing your praises. I will exalt you. I will rejoice in you. I will be joyful before you. I will sing with joy. Because you're my shelter. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had times where I've needed God to just cover me. Let me let me put it another way. Where I've needed to get insulated from the blows of the world that were were so great against me that I had. I felt as though I was going through something and, and I felt the pressure of it. Have you ever felt pressure from outside where you're starting to get weighed down? And, and God, I can't handle this. So let me come up under your wing. Take the pressure off of me and cover me so that I'm shielded from all of the things that are oppressing me. Now, why is that important? One of the reasons why we get so down and dour is because we don't know how to turn over what we're dealing with to God and rest in God under the covering of his blood, under the shelter of God use god as a hiding place now what is why why is this important because the only reason you need shelter is that there's something going on outside that you need to be covered from okay what does it mean you need to be covered from something it means that i am going through something that i need to be sheltered from so If if it's raining, what do you do? You run under shelter. If it's snowing, what do you do? You try to get under shelter, keep the snow off your head. What you have to do then is learn how to get to the very shelter of God so that you can be shielded from the arrows of the enemy that are coming at you. It does not mean those things stop. It means that you no longer are emotionally gripped with dealing with them. You are freed. You are giving peace so that you can handle it. And that's the very blessing of God in being in the very shelter of God. Last point, I'm going to close for the night. Verse 12. It says, for you, O Lord, bless the righteous man, the one who is in right standing with you. You surround him with favor as with a shield. Now, number seven. Number seven is he believed and he trusted as an attribute of God that there was a shield of God. A shield of God. Of God. This makes me happy. Because for him, the shield of God is the very favor of God. And for him, that God as a righteous person, one in right standing with you, I now can come boldly to the throne of grace, there to obtain mercy, and I realize that you will surround me, not not just have a little bit here and there, but you will surround me with favor, with a shield so that I'll be covered in favor, that even when others can't stand me, when they're talking about me, when they're trying to humiliate me, it doesn't matter, favor's all over me. They may talk me down in front of the boss, I still got the promotion. They may speak against my work, it still gets favorable ratings, because what they don't know is, you can't stop me, cause favor is on me, and favor ain't fair, but it sure is favor. Because of this. This is how we live, move, and have our being in our Christ, nourishing our souls, knowing that our prayers are going before God, whose favor is almighty. This is the word of our God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Somebody ought to say, thanks be to God. Well, I love you. Thank you so much for joining us here tonight. I'm so grateful. If you heard this message tonight and you say, you know, I want to be a part of that ministry, a part of that church. I'd like to be a part of Shiloh and what's going on there. I believe in that kind of teaching. I want you to join me. Give me a call. Numbers on your screen. Call us 860-443-6046, extension 110, and get in touch with us and say, hey, I like what you're doing. Drop me a message, inbox me, Facebook, YouTube. Hit us some kind of way. Email me at church at Shiloh NL, at churchadministration at ShilohNLcomplex.org. And we'll be glad to welcome you into the family. Want to mention it again tomorrow? Tomorrow, 1 p.m., prayer time. Looking forward to having you join us. Pray with us, 1 p.m., community prayer tomorrow. The number's on your screen. You can join us for prayer And you can get on whether you speak or not. Doesn't matter. You can pray. Amen. Join us for prayer. Now, I want to just mention to you, we are in the midst of the Lenten consecration. Join us in consecrating. So on Tuesday night, we start at 11 o'clock, our extended fast time from 11 on. uh, But on every other night, we start at 9 o'clock. And we begin to fast until at least noon. If you want to go later, go later. Try to give up some of the foods that we have given up, if not all of the foods. Give your body and spirit a chance to connect in your faith with God. I don't know about you. I'm doing it. Everyone in my house is doing it. We are trying our best to stand in agreement with you during this Lenten season. I got some things I want God to do for me. I've got some prayers. I've prayed and God has spoken back to me and told me what to do. And so I'm trying to move in that wisdom to function in that way. I'm doing that. And I ask that you would listen to what God is saying in your life. I love you all the love of the Lord. I want to just let all those of you know that we're praying for you. We love you. We believe God's best and God's favor upon your life. Join us in what we're doing. Because it's not just unto God but it's also going to bless you to be in position to receive what God's getting ready to do amen now I want to tell you this if you give tonight give is unto the Lord and the reason I want to tell you to give because we give if there's not a guest speaker we give it all away we give it away why do we do that because we believe that it's more blessed to give than to receive so we support our soup kitchen, we support work, and we support individuals who are going through things through our agape ministry, through our benevolent ministry. Our diaconate, the deacons and deaconess of this church do a phenomenal job pouring back into the community the resources that you give. So there are three ways to give. Cash App, Givelify, or you can give through the mail. But join us, join us because God is going to bless you as you give into the very kingdom of the living God. Well, I love all of you. I pray you heard this message tonight. I'm trying to set you up for the blessing God has for you so that you can manifest the greatness that God has put in you and that your next moving God is going to take you into destiny so that you will be what he wants you to be. So that your desire becomes that desire to be what he wants you to be. I love you all the love of the Lord. I'm praying for each one of you. I'm praying for all of our bereaved families. I'm praying for those of you who are sick. And know this, Shiloh family cares. Well, this has been another one from Shiloh the Night. God bless each one of you. You can go in peace. And may the very peace of God go with you. You know what I say. Shalom.